Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Moved everything up this week a little bit. We wanted to bring in our good friend Pete Sampson. Does a great job covering Notre Dame for Irish Illustrated to talk about the, of course, the USC Notre Dame game. But we had a schedule this morning to talk a little bit. And then there's a little breaking news. So let's bring in Pete Sampson and maybe talk about what the, the morning's been like for him. Hey, Pete, man, what's going on? Uh, it's been uh, never a dull moment out here. <laughs> Yeah, what was the, uh, I mean, the NCAA, you know, we, the, the players that were talked about with the NCAA sanctions here were suspended, I believe, when this went down. I didn't know about an NCAA investigation. Was that kind of a quiet thing or what was going on with that? No, that, it's been going on for, since Notre Dame announced its investigation, um, or concluded its investigation, I should say, uh, in August of 2014 and suspended five players. Um, We've known the NCAA hammer was going to drop at some point. We just didn't know when. Uh, and we had heard sources that the vacating of wins, or at least the NCAA saying, hey, we want you to vacate wins, was was likely. Um, that was very much on the table, and uh, Notre Dame's president said that was on the table all the way back in 2014. Um, but there wasn't really any warning that this was going to drop 10 minutes before Brian Kelly's last press conference of the season. Um, I mean, the entire media group is there in the football auditorium waiting for him to show up to talk about four and seven and what's going on. Why can't, you know, get the, the season on track. And then it just turned into this really bizarre press conference where Kelly's up there talking about, Hey, we're going to take questions at USC before we talk to NCAA and like, no one wanted to ask questions yeah, about USC. That never works. And when you do. So. Um, yeah, so there were about three questions about what's going on with the team and then jumped into the NCAA stuff and, uh, you know, sort of sifted through the report since then. Um, you know, Notre Dame put out a statement during the press conference from the president's office. Um, basically it gets down to they have to vacate all the wins from 2012 and 2013 and they're going to be on probation for one year. That's, those are the penalties that Notre Dame will get hit with. Um, there was a student trainer who was involved in the academic misconduct that worked with nine different football players uh, and committed academic misconduct that way. Only five of them had eligibility remaining in 2014 when the, the investigation started. That means another four had already exhausted their eligibility and were on to the NFL or wherever they were. Uh, so, yeah, that was it's been a been a pretty wild day out here within a very wild season yeah it's uh i mean obviously usc fans are quite familiar with sanctions and covering all that stuff and i get all these tweets now this morning anytime anyone gets hit from the ncaa i get tons of tweets about hey how many more scholarships is usc going to lose because of this and stuff like that so (laughs) it's kind of funny uh i guess it's kind of funny but you know, like a, it's so weird though. Five thousand dollar fine. Like, okay, what? Like, what is that? Yeah, it's not clear whether that. I'm assuming that was for the trainer, opposed to Notre Dame having to pay. I mean, to find Notre Dame five thousand dollars, that may have been the most comical part of the whole thing. But I'm I'm not entirely sure if that's who was being asked to pay 
pay the actual fine. But I don't know how they could enforce that for a former Notre Dame student who was an athletic trainer and went on to law school. Why, like, I don't know how they would compel someone to pay them $5,000 just because they said so. Yeah. it The NCAA makes no sense. And, like, vacating wins is probably one of the stupidest things uh, ever. But, um, yeah. I mean, there's no, no like, real... Like there's no bull band, there's no lots of scholarships. So if you're an NDA, yeah, you know, yeah, there's none of that. So it's, I mean, it it comes down to like kind of a almost like a clerical issue in the media guys. But I mean, for Notre Dame, a program that at the beginning of the season was celebrating being number one all time in winning percentage by wearing the number one jersey, only to have that taken away during the year because they were doing so poorly and Michigan was winning, and now to have be even farther down the rank it's i mean it's a huge embarrassment for the university um and i i mean the optics of it are terrible and as much as brian kelly can get up there and say he bears no responsibility for this he does and uh, and i think that he deep down is aware of that well it's uh i mean you know we've seen this happen before at usc where like hey you can only ask questions about the game and they're all anyone wants to talk about but we actually do want to kind of talk about the game um I don't know yeah. if this morning it will it, still be played. Yeah, it still will be played. I mean, does this morning change preparation or motivation or anything? Do you think? Like, would it impact the game at all? It no, I don't think so at all. Um, because I mean, none of those players are here. They haven't been. Most of them have not been here for years. Um, so it's like you you have the majority of Notre Dame's roster. They were never shared the locker room with these guys. So. No, I don't, I don't think it really affects anything as far as the game goes. I mean, it, it certainly weighs down on the administration and Brian Kelly. Um, you know, maybe some of the assistants who have been here for a long time, but even, even the coaches that recruited these guys in the first place, most of them have moved on to something else. So it's, um, I don't, I don't think it impacts the game from a preparation standpoint. It certainly impacts the game from a narrative standpoint. And if Notre Dame comes out and loses badly on Saturday, then I think that sort of gets piled in with this NCAA investigation. The four, it would, would be a four and eight record. What would be going 15 and 15 over your last 30 games? What would be Brian Kelly becoming the losingest coach in Notre Dame history with 31 losses? So it's, I think it's, it's a pebble on the pile against Brian Kelly, but, um, in terms of, whether Notre Dame is going to have an effective intermediate passing game. I don't think it has anything to do with that. <laughs> okay, a fair point. Um, so for USC fans that maybe, you know, usually they they follow the Notre Dame season season fairly closely. You look at the 4-7 and seven record, but no blowout losses. Uh, you know, the worst loss, I think, was eight points. Um, they've all been kind yep. of close games. They just kind of haven't been going Notre Dame's way at the end, it seems. Yeah, it's it's strange. I mean, they're the first. Team, the first Power Five team to lose seven games by eight points or less by one score um, since North Carolina State in 2006. So it's been a while since this has happened. I mean, this this season reminds me so much of Notre Dame in 2009, which was Charlie Weiss's last season. They lost six games by one score each, and it just yeah. I mean, they've had the ball in the fourth quarter with the chance to win or tie or force overtime or win it in overtime in all seven games. Um, but I think that it has to be taken into account. Like if, if Notre Dame was coming into USC and they were nine and one, 
but and you just like flip the scores of a bunch of these games and, and so let's say they, they beat Michigan State by one score, they beat Duke by one score, they beat Texas by one score. I don't think people would necessarily feel all that I mean they would feel better, but Notre Dame has played a really a bizarrely soft schedule this year by Notre Dame standards, but the fact that they haven't been able to take advantage of that for the first half of the season the defense coordinator was a mess. He got fired after four games. And for the second half of the season, the offense has really let them down uh, in some crucial situations. It, um, I guess the other aspect is that Notre Dame had some pretty big leads. I mean, there was a bunch of games that are up by like 17 and end up losing, right? Yeah. I mean, they're uh, just in their home schedule. They've blown double-digit leads four times. Wow. Uh, they end up coming back to beat Miami after blowing a 17-point lead. They're up 17-0 and 24-7 on Virginia Tech. They're up 14-0 on Duke. Uh, and I believe they're up 10-0 on Stanford, only to lose 17-10. Um, so they've, they've they've really gone in a funk offensively. I mean, even Michigan State, they were up, I think, 7-0 and then allowed, I want to say, 36 unanswered points. Um, so They've had they've had a weird season, and it's not like they haven't been in position to win these games with a quarterback who's going to be playing in the NFL. But they have. It's like if you had lost a coin flip seven of eight times. That's sort of what it feels like for Notre Dame right now. Um, but the de- you know you talk about the defensive coordinator getting fired. The defense has looked better. It seems like the defense is getting better, at least in the latter half of the season. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I think it is fair to say. Um, you know, and getting rid of the coordinator has helped that because they were trying to run an NFL style defense and the players just could not handle the install over and over and over again. So I think that has helped them. Um, I'd say on, beyond that, I think some of it has to do with the fact that they're playing so many young players in the secondary. I mean, there have been formations where they've had four freshmen on the field in the secondary at the same time which I, I have never seen before in 17 years covering Notre Dame football. Um, you know, and against USC, they'll be starting – when they go nickel, they'll have a freshman free safety, a junior safety at strong, they'll have a senior corner, and then they'll have two true freshmen. So it's, at a minimum, you're basically have three true freshmen out there at all times in the secondary. Um, those players have gotten a lot better as the season has gone on, so I think that's helped. But I think mostly it's helped removing – what was really a, a negative influence on the program overall and Brian Van Gorder um, and just in terms of his attitude, his personality, and the fact that he tried to basically install them to death uh, with a new playbook almost every week. Yeah, that's not uh, the greatest recipe for success in college. No. <laughs> um, it's like they weren't that athletic to begin with, but then it's like, all right, then you're going to have to process things like a supercomputer before every play. Like, you're just not going to get guys playing fast when you do that. Makes sense. Um, no, offensively, you talked about it. I mean, there's NFL talent here. I was watching, I think, in the game last night. Like, you see Will Fuller making plays. I mean, Notre Dame's had some, you know, great offensive players. What's What do you think has not been working with this offense this year? You know, the loss of Will Fuller was big. I mean, really big. I mean, you, you think back to last year's game, how many guys have you seen just blow by a Dory Jackson? Yeah, not, not many. And, and Will Fuller was one of those guys. I mean, he did it on the game's first play for Notre Dame. Um, so to lose that deep threat really hurt the offense because basically teams figured out that alright, let's go 20 yards back from the line of scrimmage and then the ball's never going to get over our head because they don't have receivers who can run like that anymore. 
They've sort of changed up the offense a little bit lately, but their deep threat is Kevin Stefferson, who is a three-star recruit who's a true freshman. Um, and he's been pretty good, but he's, he's a true freshman. So I think the fact that defenses don't have to defend the entire field has hurt the offense. And then I think the offensive line has been a pretty big disappointment. They didn't, unlike USC, they didn't have the experience back, um, that the Trojans do, but they do have some NFL guys. Their left tackle, Mike McGlinchey, is on all sorts of mock drafts in the first round, and their left guard, Quentin Nelson, is sort of in the same boat. Um, they've been okay, but they have not been nearly good enough. And then their center position has been a real letdown with Sam Mustafer. Uh, he was stepping in for a three-year starter named Nick Martin, who was a second-round pick of the Texans. Um, so that's, their offensive line has been a real disappointment. Um, that's been part of it, but you know, really, it's. I guess when you have a season that's that's this disappointing, it's everything. Um, but the offensive line would be sort of first on my list of everything. This is a, a USC team that's obviously been on fire uh, lately. I mean, they started off just awful. They were hot garbage basically, and now they've won seven games in a row. It's a rivalry game. Um, I mean, do you see this as being another close game? Just Notre Dame's been in pretty much all close games. Do you think this certainly has the capability of being another one? It definitely has the capability of it. Um, it's, I would, I would stick my neck out there and say it won't be a replay of two years ago when USC just completely wiped the field with Notre Dame. At that point, Notre Dame was so beaten up. Their two starting defensive tackles in that game are now both four string tight ends at two different schools. Um, they had so little material on the defensive line. They just could not hold up. Their defensive line is actually pretty good. Um, you know, Jerron Jones and Isaac Rochelle are both really good players, senior and fifth-year senior. They don't have a lot of depth. Uh, I do like their linebackers. They're experienced and athletic, probably you know, more athletic than Notre Dame usually has there. So I think it will be a close game. I think USC will probably break Notre Dame's streak of seven losses by one score or less by winning by 10 to 14 points. But um, – I do think this is a game that, that will at least be interesting to watch for more than the first half. And then one, I know you got a lot going on today, so we don't want to keep you too long. But one last thing um, with Sam Darnold, the emergence of Sam Darnold, certainly a different look for this USC offense than what you saw mm-hmm. the first few games. Um, how's Notre Dame faced? I mean, have they faced uh, more athletic quarterbacks and how have they fared uh, against those guys this year? Um, you know, they haven't faced. They haven't faced anybody like Sam Darnold, that's for sure. Um, and Brian Kelly in his press conference today in one of the few USC comments said that basically he's not really seen anybody like Sam Darnold in years in terms of just being a true freshman who's that good. Um, you know, in terms of like real dual threat guys who are actually pocket passers, I mean, they face one every day in practice into Sean Kaiser, so maybe that helps a little bit. But um, this season, the quarterbacks that Notre Dame have faced have been pretty poor the only the best one by nfl standards they face is brad kaya and they made him look pretty bad um but miami had no offensive line beyond that they haven't really faced a good quarterback um at least in a in a dual threat capacity so i I, in some ways i think you would have to go back to previous years to find one even close to darnold and that doesn't really apply with this defense so it's um I'm, I'm fascinated to see how that matchup goes because Notre Dame's secondary is so young. Is that 
is that going to be exposed by Juju Smith and those guys and that group, or is that going to be hidden by the fact that Darnold isn't going to see coverages maybe as clearly as a veteran would, and Notre Dame maybe can bait him into something? I'm not really sure. Um, I think that's going to be a really interesting game within the game, though, on Saturday. Yeah, he's definitely made some mistakes. We, you know, he's you know he's thrown picks. Uh, he, I think the thing that he does best um, is just the, his ability on third down to find guys open downfield and and get away from a pass rush and extend plays with his legs. Um, he's just you see a lot of guys extend plays with their legs and then maybe pick up three yards and, and get out of bounds. They avoid mm-hmm. a sack. He's able to like find some guy fifteen yard downfield and uh, and pick up a first down too. Yeah, I think the. Maybe the the matchup that's more interesting is Notre Dame Notre Dame's linebackers and how do they spy Darnold? Because like Notre Dame does not have a pass rush for the defensive line at all. It's been terrible. So I think the way I would play that is if I'm Notre Dame, I would you know come out and sort of three four personnel, which they do quite a bit. They play a lot of three three five set in terms of their personnel, rush three, and then have Niles Morgan, their middle linebacker, or James Onwalu, their outside linebacker, just sort of wait two seconds. And then decide: Do I go? Do I stay here and wait for Darnold to move around and then go? Because uh, unlike some previous years where Notre Dame has played linebackers who just athletically could not cut it, I think against USC they don't have that problem anymore. And I think that Anawalu number seventeen and Morgan number five are going to be instrumental in not just stopping Darnold from running from seven yards on third and six, but getting in his face so much maybe with a delayed blitz, that he can't see, um, you know, Darius Rogers 20 yards down the field on third and 10 when he's scrambling around. So I think it's, it's there's a lot of pressure on Notre Dame's linebackers, I think, this weekend to, to make Darnold think twice about moving around and just how long he can look down the field before there's a linebacker coming at him. Pete Sampson does a great job uh, for the scout site that covers Notre Dame, Irish Illustrated. Follow him on Twitter, at Pete Sampson with an underscore, correct? There's an underscore at the end, right? Yeah, yeah, there's the, the the original Pete Sampson was already taken, so I have to go with the underscore. Oh, man. Yeah, someone took Ryan Abraham, too. So now I have, like, more like a weird one, like, inside Troy. But I've been trying to get it. The guy doesn't use it anymore. I'm like, man, can I can I get a Twitter? But I don't know. <laughs> yes. First world problems. These are off-season questions for us. Yeah, first world problems. Um, Pete, you know, Pete and his crew will be coming out here to Manhattan Beach. They love coming to the post. I think I showed that to him a few years ago, so. Oh, oh yes, this is a yes. This is our third straight LA trip for Friday night at MB Post, uh, and yeah, I, I might need to have an extra cocktail after today. <laughs> yeah, I can. Uh, if you need any advice about covering sanctions, although it looks like you know it's not going to be too bad, but uh, it was a year, you know, monthly thing, yearly thing here at USCFootball.com. We've had to cover that quite a bit, so I can yeah. give you any advice. You know, <laughs> thanks. All Appreciate right. it. That's Pete Sampson. Uh, he's heading out here this weekend. Uh, so happy Thanksgiving, Pete. And, uh, thanks again for coming on. Thanks. Happy Thanksgiving to you. All right. Pete Sampson, Irish Illustrated. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this little quick version of the Peristyle podcast. Wanted to get a quick, uh, Notre Dame preview up there for you. So hope you enjoyed it and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.